Welcome back, everybody, to the Think and Grow Show. Dr. Z, who do we have with us today? So this is part two of our interview with the Revel Marketing Girl, Lisa Revel, the chief storyteller of Revel Girl Marketing. <laughs> Great to be back. So Lisa, I, we were towards the end of chapter three, and there was just one thing I wanted. It was that uh, your USP, I believe it is, your unique selling proposition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Could you expand on that and then just kind of wrap up, give our listeners and viewers what, if you could only take away one thing, I know it's a double, you know, two-part question, but if you could only take away one thing, what's the most important part of this chapter? So your unique selling proposition is what makes you different than your competition. It's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. So what is it? Everybody has one thing. Everybody has one thing, if not more, but one thing that makes them different. It could be their experience in the industry. It could be their, um, their knowledge of the product. It could be the fact that, you know, they've used the product as well as sold the product. I mean, there's a lot of things that could be that unique selling proposition, but is it one thing that makes you different that differentiates yourself in your marketing? For me, I've been a salesperson as well as a marketing person. So my unique selling proposition is that I see marketing from both sides, not only like how to create it, but how you use it out there on a daily basis. So your unique selling proposition is just that one thing that sets you apart. Yeah, and you know, going along with that, you know, I, I had this um, Seth Godin, all marketers are liars, <laughs> but then he crosses that out and he says storytellers. Yes. And he talks about frames. So can you talk about how you can craft your unique selling proposition, but also set it in a particular frame for whichever client that you might be um, uh, talking with or associating with? Yeah. So when you're out networking or you're out prospecting, that's two different things. When you're prospecting and talking in front of a potential client, there's a different unique selling proposition than then it would be for somebody who's just, we're out networking and having a conversation at a networking event. So you wanna make sure that you have a unique selling proposition for both situations. Mm. The one thing that speaks to a business owner, when I say, cause I work mostly with small businesses, when I say I have sales experience, it's the fact that I teach them how to use the marketing I create as well as just create it. It's a help them create it themselves. In a networking situation, it's more of a seeing both sides of the coin and being able to understand it from both sides. So you have to frame it in the audience that you're talking to because, you know, not every prospect likes to sell and some people really love to sell. They just don't have anything to put in front of people. So you just, you really got to know who you're talking to, to understand how to use a unique selling proposition for that audience. Makes sense. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. And the one thing I like that you focus in on the one thing. Yeah. So if there was just one thing that you really wanted to get good at coming out of chapter three, what would that be? I would say it would be about really understanding who you're talking to. Because there's a, in further along in the selling chapter, we talk about BANT, which is qualifying your prospect as mm -hmm. far as the BANT is budget authority need and timing and understanding what their what their background is is going to be a key part of how you talk about 
how you talk about your business. So understanding your audience is, is vital because every business owner is different. Every person, you know, there's a phrase that I don't like to use, which is called um, common sense because <laughs> all sense isn't common because everybody has different experiences and education and views on life. So common sense actually doesn't exist because nobody has the same two paths. <laughs> and so what happens is that you have to understand the path of they're on to be able to create mm -hmm. the message that we're talking about in chapter five. So really get, get into their shoes, see things from their perspective. Yes. Yeah. It's interesting because when I do a prospect call, I do probably maybe 25% of the talking. I ask a lot of questions. I ask a lot of annoying questions because though what happens most of the time is people don't know how to answer it, but that's okay. That just tells me where we need to go next. So a right. lot, a lot, a lot of questions. Yeah. And I think too, like going back to with the unique selling proposition and just being early in business, um, you don't necessarily know, like you, you're, you're more casting a wider net, let's say. So you're kind of maybe a jack of all trades. So I think I mentioned this too, maybe you want to be a dog groomer, but in the beginning, maybe you'll accept a couple cats, you know, or a <laughs> parrot, you know? <laughs> uh, I still want to see you groom a cat. Um, <laughs> being a cat owner myself. So yeah, what, and that's, that's okay because you want to cast a wide net. You want to see what kind of business owner works well with you. I learned pretty quickly the kind of people I don't want to work with having a couple of clients like that. Um, and for me, what I talk about in that chapter where it has the, the circle and it has the demographics and the psychographics of like what your ideal client is like, my psychographic side is much more detailed than my demographic size when it comes to me finding a, a, a new client. So it just depends upon what you really need to to find out about who that is. So it's very important to understand because it's going to change along the way too. I also find the longer you get in business and the, like the more you want to like get into what you want to do, some, sometimes that person changes because you find that niche, that niche, however you want to say it, um, the, that client that you didn't even know existed. So that's always really exciting. Yeah, it's funny. And you're referencing this this uh, I'll put it yes. up it's, uh, that worksheet in chapter four, which is interesting because I feel like ours was more filled out on the demographic side, yeah. than the psychographic. But I think we're still putting that together. <laughs> to yeah, and again, uh, you know, having multiple copies of that is great because, especially if you have more than one business, it's going to be different for each business, and it could even here's here's the part that blows people's mind. It could be different for the different products you sell. Like my like when I'm targeting speaking engagements, that's different than targeting somebody who want to be a part-time marketing director for. So right. it's okay to have multiple sheets of that because the more you understand by product line and by and by um, service line, it's the better off you are to find out where they hang out and then what to say to them. So yeah. it's okay. You you don't have to have only one avatar you know, um, when it comes to your business. Awesome. Well, that's, that's good to know. Sometimes we do start to feel like, oh, I'm doing something wrong if I don't niche down and exclude people, but then you might feel like <laughs> I don't have, I 
don't have very many clients. To well, but you have to figure that out, right? In the beginning, like you said, I took anybody who said that they pay me money to do what I do just to kind of figure it out. <laughs> so, um, but then I found out quickly the kind of people that I didn't want to work with. So. Yeah, and I think you need that in the beginning. The people talk a lot about, we've learned a lot about all these different ideas and strategies and you know, talk about niche, get to your niche and all of that. I'm like, get to your niche get out there and get some clients and get some people and figure out what you want your niche to be. <laughs> yeah, you're right? exactly right. Yeah. So chapter four, is this demographic and psychographics? I'll hold it up again for everybody. Is that kind of like connected to the, who's your avatar? Yeah. Or is it? It is it, because what happens is that, when people say that they can do anything for anybody, um, it, your, your, your content that you're putting out there and your marketing is diluted and nobody really knows what's going on. And so you want to be yeah. able to speak specifically you're, to that audience. Yeah. And more importantly, you want to speak specifically to that audience when you're networking so the people that you're talking to can think about that person in their head. Oh, you're looking for a business owner with less than 50 employees who doesn't have a dedicated sales and marketing person. Oh, that's, that's my friend, Bob. And he was just talking about how he needs some sales help. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, you want them to be able to mm -hmm. picture the people in their network that fit that, that avatar, that demographic. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really true. And I, I really like that. Um, and do you find that your marketing changes, um, you know, in terms of, you know, I think there's so much competition, right? And so people are, you know, really like maybe pushing the edge to stand out, yeah. to stop the scroll, <laughs> you know, and it's, 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 is it a slippery slope to maybe go too far? one extreme like because you have your avatar but yet you're also trying to stand out as a marketer sometimes there can be some those can clash with yeah one the thing that drives people the most about marketing is that there i think we talked about this last time is that there's no exact science it's not like if i do a b will happen you know and so you have to get it out there because with the with the, the analytics that you have on social media, you, it depends on how much you post and when you post and when your audience is there. And I mean, there's so many play, there's so many you know, variables because it's, a, it's, once you put it out there, it's not anymore about what you do. It's, it's more about like what they do with it. And you also have to realize is that by being consistent in your marketing and always having that out there, once they do need you, they think of you first. Because what's going to happen is that your ideal client might not need you at that very moment that they see your marketing, but they may need it six months from now or a year from now, but they want, you want them to think of you first once they do have that need. So if I said, if I said I needed to go get gas in my car, you guys literally thought of the first place that you would go to get gas in your car, right? So if I said, I need somebody to help me with my health. There's probably somebody in your head that you went, oh, I know exactly who I would go to. So you want you want that marketing, you want that that memory to be in there by doing consistent marketing because your ideal client may not need you at that very moment that you put out that post or that ad, but they will eventually. Right. All right. 
let's move on to chapter five. Quit sounding like <laughs> everyone else. Differentiation, yeah. right? How do I stand out? That's a whole crowd? process. So there's a whole process in there that I go through. I do a, a speaking event called The Power of Your Pitch. And it's all about that elevator pitch. Mm -hmm. And we're going to stop calling it an elevator pitch. We're going to stop calling it a sales pitch because you don't sell anything in the first 30 seconds you meet somebody. And nobody likes to be sold to in the first 30 seconds you meet somebody. So we're going to call it a power pitch. The power pitch is all about grabbing their attention and keeping it. That's it. You got 15 seconds because a human attention span is only 8.25 seconds. So you've got 15 seconds to say something that people go, huh, tell me more. And the reason I still like to call it a pitch is because it's like, it's just starting a conversation, just like in a baseball game. The game doesn't start until the pitcher throws out the first pitch. He doesn't throw pitch after pitch after pitch after pitch after pitch at the catcher, right? He throws one catcher, catcher throws it back. And it's a game of catch. And networking is the same way. You want to say something. So the person across from you says, that's cool. Tell me more. And then the more they're engaged in the conversation, the more they'll remember the conversation. I have one thing in there that I call the show up and the throw up. The person that you say, so what do you do? And two minutes later, they're still talking, right? You know, their pets' names, their yeah. kids' names, where they went on vacation last, their entire resume, what they're <laughs> looking for, like, right? And after about, you know, 35, 40 seconds, you're thinking, who else can I talk to here? Or like, what do I have to stop at the grocery store on the way home? Or like, and you're just smiling and nodding, right? So you want to, there's a lot of things you want to avoid, but the power pitch is all about starting a great conversation and great conversations lead to more meetings yeah. and more meetings lead to more sales and more sales leads to more revenue. So I was wondering, who are some of your favorite marketers, um, mentors even, and what is the best or maybe the craziest marketing technique that you've ever seen or perhaps performed or done yourself? Well, my um, my favorite person when it comes to marketing is, 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 um, is Simon Sinek. Anybody who knows me uh, knows really? I'm a okay. massive Simon fan. And if you read the book, you'll notice I quote him a few times in there and talk about his why. So start with why. What is your purpose? Why are you here on earth? And so it's interesting because I, when I go through a strategy session with a client and we come to the why, that's the part that they hate the most because they're always like, well, it's this. Mm, mm -hmm. You're still on the surface. Go deeper, go deeper. I did this with a business coach one time and he talked about how he was kind of one of those, you know, what's the word when both parents work and you're kind of on your own, the turnkey, church key. Anyway, there's a term for it. So he basically, you know, grew up alone a lot because he was an only child. And so like his whole thing is to have community and have a sense of people that connect with each other. And when he realized that was his why, his entire marketing changed. His entire message changed. It's, he mm -hmm. talked about community and connecting people and and working together, right? So it's all of those types of things. And so Simon does a great thing because I love mindset. I'm a huge mindset person. I meditate every day. I'm a big mindset person. And Simon talks about the infinite game versus the, the fixed mindset. The infinite mindset and the infinite game is about how you don't win at business. Business is a marathon that never ends. And marketing is a marathon that never ends. You might win over somebody else in you know, competing for a prospect, but in business itself, 
it's not like you went over anybody else. So that infinite mindset, that infinite game mentality in business gets you a lot further, gets you a lot further. And so I love, um, I love basically everything he's ever written. So he's definitely somebody who's influenced me uh, quite a bit. The other person that's really influenced me is, is Seth. Yeah. He's just really a good, he's got great quotes. Um, I'm a big quote person. So I love that. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of, how do I say this? There's a lot of people who've written stuff out there that I read in marketing books that I don't agree with, or I agree with part of their stuff. Mm. You have to take and leave the stuff that applies to you. But like I, as a salesperson, I've been trained in so many different sales ways. And I've always had that consultative sales mentality, even though I, you know, I was selling in the nineties, which was like, you know, always be closing, close more business, like that whole aggressive thing. It really never sat with me. But I was a very successful salesperson because my clients felt like I was on their side instead of the company side, which I was. And so again, you, anything that you read, you know, not one person has all the right answers. There's stuff about Seth that he says that I don't agree with. And Simon says stuff that I don't agree with, but those are the two people that I really go for as far as like a resource and maybe a mentor kind of an aspect. And what's the craziest thing maybe you've done or that you've seen? Um, so I had a ski hill as a client one time. And we did this whole drone thing with, um, <laughs> with like characters skiing down the hill and like different fictional, like Christmas characters and things like that. And we just did this whole like crazy video and it got, it got tons of posts and it was really fun. And anyway, it was, it was a little bit crazy, but it definitely got that ski hill some business. So, but it was, it, it was drones and, you know, rented costumes and putting on skis and falling off chairlifts and just all kinds of stupid, crazy stuff. It was fun. fun. It was cold, fun. but it was fun. Nice. So let's dig more into the power pitch. I like the one you reference <laughs> in the book, a gal, you say, she says, I get yeah. shit done. <laughs> So with that said, how about sharing with us and the listeners your power pitch and give some insight as to, I mean, I've been working on pitch stuff for quite a while and it just keeps evolving and changing, right? So how did you kind of give them an idea of what they can expect when they start working on it? Okay, now oh, I got it. You yeah, feel like it, you really it got took me right a while. So. One of the things that people are scared about hiring a consultant or outsourcing the marketing to is they feel that they're tied to them forever. Like I'm going to sign this contract and they're going to hold me hostage to the marketing and all this other stuff, right? Where I don't do that. I, I always, the first thing I usually say to a client is eventually you're going to want to fire me because you've got it. You understand mm. your marketing. You can do it in house. You know what you're doing. And as a consultant, that's my job is to teach you how to do, to be a great marketer. And so what I say is I'm the nanny McPhee right. of marketing. I help my clients as long as they need me and then I'm gone. And people either say, mm. who's nanny McPhee? Or they say, um, I really like that idea because then they're not, they don't feel like they're trapped. Like a lot of times people think that when you hire right. a, a marketing strategist or marketing consultant that you're trapped to these long-term contracts, which I built my entire business around the gig mentality. 
I built my entire business built around the fact that I'm like, I work for somebody for a while until they got it and then I leave. And we're both happy about it because, right. you know, they figured out what they want to do for the marketing. And then I'm still there if they need me to come back and do some consulting, but I'm not there for this long-term aspect of things. I don't feel like they're trapped. So mm-hmm. until Disney catches up with me at the Nanny McPhee, I'm still going to use it. <laughs> yeah that that's really that's really good i loved your your pitch your pitches we were in really? we were in sales masters for a while and patrick because i liked his pitch because it was all encompassing like he shared what he did but then he also added how it specifically helped um the clients and and then it and then it led to like a nice conclusion yeah. at, at, at the end. And I have another one that's so, more specific to yeah. business owners. And that one is, it's my job as a marketing strategist. Actually, that's a lie. It's my job as your marketing strategist to make sure that when your prospects and your clients need what you sell, they think of you first. And that really speaks to the business mm-hmm. owner. So I have different pitches for different situations. Yeah. The Nanny McPhee is more of a, general networking thing because they think it's funny and they ask like, well, how do you do that? And why did you do it that way? And again, they get involved then. They like ask questions and they're going to remember more based on the fact that they're actually involved in the conversation instead of listening to me show up and throw up. Sounds like they start to lead in more when they don't, they're like, oh good, I'm, this isn't going to be a marriage and we're going to be. Yeah. And they're always thinking, oh, you know, my, my neighbor, my <laughs> friend, my colleague, my this, my that, you know, needs help with their marketing. You know, would you help doing this? Would you help? And that's how I get the most referrals is the Nanny McPhee line. So I'm sticking with it. Nice. So any, all right. Anything else to wrap this up? Number five here with differentiation and getting people really, you want them, like you said, want, wanting them to remember you and think of you. When yeah. Using words right. that resonate with them, not you using the words that as you go through the step, the, there's a, it's a five-step process. As you go through each step, remember mm-hmm. using the words that make, that have meaning to your prospects or the people you're talking to, not meaning to you. So mm-hmm. it's the biggest takeaway from chapter five is it's your story, but it's their journey. So your power pitch needs to relate to them and how they would engage with you, not if it makes you sound good because nobody cares. Yeah. So how do you, how do you yep, put those exactly. together? Right. On to chapter six, <laughs> everything is marketing. You yeah. know what I started doing? I don't know how much you think this relates. You tell me, but um, we were in a mastermind with Jeffrey Gittimer, the king of sales, right? And we got a hold of a story about he just talks to everybody. He's constantly talking to everybody and he's constantly marketing, mm-hmm. right? Talk about how important that is. I do, do to that? a point. Um, you know, if it's... Mm-hmm. If you're always trying to sell sell to somebody, I disagree with that. But if you're talking to everybody, that makes a lot of sense. So if you're always trying to get somebody to like think of you as like a salesperson, I don't agree with that. I do think that, you know, when people ask me right. what I do is what I say is like I one of my other pitches is I help small businesses stay in business by using uncompromised marketing. Mm-hmm. And so that way it doesn't sound like I'm selling, but people go, oh, 
I have a small business or they say, oh, my friend has a small business, right? And it's all about engaging them. It's not about selling because I do agree that you need to talk to everybody and there's no situation where you're not talking about your business or what you do, even in a social situation. You could be at, you know, I don't know, Costco, you strike up a conversation in the cereal aisle with somebody and, you know, you, you just, it doesn't matter where you are. You should always be ready to have your power pitch ready and ready to have that conversation. So I do agree with them as long as you're not trying to sell. Yeah. Sounds like just get in the habit of when you're out practicing. Cause I did that well, right before we started up the podcast and it really helped a lot. I met a bunch of people. Some of them became guests on our show. And I think you're 100% on that, that getting to find out about them and not even thinking about, well, can they, are they a customer and doing all that vetting and all that deciphering and all that stuff, just get to know them a little bit, especially if it's a place that you're going to be frequenting time. Yeah. And skipping to chapter 10, which is networking on purpose is that when you, when you are out networking and the longer you go to a networking event, that same thing, like if it's a chamber or if it's an industry event or whatever the case, the organization, whatever the case might be, the longer you're there, the more referrals you'll get because the longer you're not selling to the people, because what's happening is that people don't like to be sold to, but they do like to buy. And what that means in, in networking is if you inform people what you do and how you help and you don't try to sell them anything or like, Hey, I'll buy you a copy. If you give me like five names for referral kind of a thing, which I've had done to me so many times, I can't even tell you. Um, it's, it's the kind of thing like, I have, okay, I have a friend who she sends me referrals because she's like, Lisa won't sell to you because what happens is like if, when you have that conversation and she might not be the person for you, she'll tell you that. She's honest that way that she's not going to try to sell to you and think that, you know, you need all this stuff. I've done that so many times. I've either referred to other marketing firms because it was a bigger project that I'm willing to take on or people just need the confidence to go out there and keep doing what they're doing. And so for me, I've built that trust factor with my network that they know I'm not going to sell to them, that they know I'm going to try to help them. And then I keep getting referrals because I'm not selling to people. I'm just informing people and I'm telling them the truth. And I think that's what's missing is that one of the things I say in, in the introduction is the customer is always right. I need you to get that out of your head because that's the whole point of everything is marketing is that part of marketing is being authentic and real and honest when you have these conversations with people in the grocery store and cereal aisle or whatever, and just be, be your authentic self. And I think that's what gets me the most referrals is people go, I trust her. I know she's not going to try to sell me something more than I need. So that's, that's kind of how everything is marketing. Everything you do is marketing. Yeah. Yeah. So having that mindset and that first step being, how can I serve and what value can I give this person, irregardless of if they ever become a client or not, how can I, what can I leave them with that will make them? Yeah, we're kind of skipping around in part two of the book because there's a whole chapter on, you know, the power of giving. And so that goes back to that chapter too. It's all about, it's all about like, if you go in with a giving mentality instead of a taking mentality, in the long run, Mm -hmm. You're, you're not going to have, you know, <laughs> you're not going to have to do marketing, but you're going to have to spend less on marketing because you're just going to be getting a bunch of referrals because people trust you. They understand you because you've done the work up front to create that, 
to create that aspect of things. And you, then if you do well by your clients, your clients refer to people too. It's, 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 it's about the giving that you will get far more by giving than you will by asking. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's really, in, it's in, not really interesting, but when you first, when, when well, my first experience, I guess, selling, I was in network marketing years ago, and I don't know if it was sold to me that way. I don't want to say that it was, but my, the, my impression was that, you know, mm-hmm. sell, sell, yeah. sell. So, <laughs> so I would be in the grocery store. And this was not my personality. You know, it's funny because Patrick can go to the gym and talk to 10 people. I go to the gym to work out and leave. I'm not there to talk. Even in the pool, I'm like, sometimes people will talk to me in the pool. And I'm like, no, we're here to swim. I'm, I, I'm not trying to have a conversation in the pool. But it's so funny because you said being authentic, but yet I have to put on that my my face you know and get ready for game time a game time phase you know to go out there and talk to somebody in the line yeah. at the grocery store being and on like, i call that being on i i'm an, i am an introvert um, by, on, yeah. by nature and so being on a lot is is exhausting mm-hmm. but the nice thing about that yeah. <laughs> the nice thing about that is that when you do have those conversations you don't have to make them long conversations and so it's about just That's having true. the persona of being helpful, um, you know, instead of, I'm not saying you're standoffish, but I, I've met people in the grocery store that are just like, they don't want to engage. So I just move on. I don't know. My mom was like that. She talked to everybody and you know, anybody she met along the way. So, yeah. And I find too, if I walk in with a smile, I mean, I do have to say sometimes I can walk in with a smile and look engaging and it's easier than if I go in and I'm just like, I'm just coming here for my cheese and I'm going to leave. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not. So you can give off. It is true. You oh, absolutely. Energy. Which is, which is the whole networking and purpose chapter. It's like, if you're having a bad day, and you walk into a networking event and you have this like, I'm here because I paid the 45 bucks to be here, but you know, like I just want to be home <laughs> with a glass of wine and the crown and my pajamas on, you know, it's like people can feel that. And so there's a whole thing I do about there's, I mean, I talked about in the, in the book that I literally have been, my makeup is done. My hair is done. I'm in the car and I literally am holding the steering wheel going, I could just stay home, you know, cause I work from home. So it's like, I could just, do I really have to go to this? And it's like, no, go. And then I just, I put on Bon Jovi or put on Bob Marley and I just like sing at the top of my lungs. By the time I get there, I'm like all jazzed up and like happy again. But I have literally contemplated not going to something, sitting in my garage, in my car. Yeah. Reach. What's funny is that those are usually the better conversations. The ones that I wanted to avoid turn out to yeah. be the better networking experiences than the one I'm like, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. So here's the beauty in terms of getting outside of your comfort zone and creating that habit of talking to people. What I noticed, which is a pro tip, is the more you do it, the better you get at reading the body language and the energy. And like you said, you know, like if somebody's like, oh, yeah. don't talk to that person, right? Because they're just, maybe they're having a bad day or whatever. And the more you do all that stuff, the yep, more you exactly. pick up on it. 
it's just yeah. really Yeah, and it's awesome. so funny because what happens nice is that I am, I am so nice, like dripping sweet sugar nice to the grumpy cashier because that's only going to help the people behind me in line with her attitude. And I'm always like, <laughs> I'm just going to be super sweet and things like that. So it's like, I don't know. I just, that that's the attitude I've always had. That's awesome. Well, I think, no, that goes to my last question. I was one, I was wondering if you can expound on how being in business has changed you. Oh, wow. Um, that's a loaded, that's a loaded question. <laughs> that's a loaded question. Um, I never wanted to be an entrepreneur ever, 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 ever. Oh. I, I always thought it was, you know, I don't know. It just didn't seem like my personality. Right. Um, and so the first few years that I was in business, um, we all know and love um, the business coach um, named Brad that we're all friends with. But he said to me one time over coffee, he goes like, why are you acting like an employee in your own company? And I was like, ouch, <laughs> like that really hurt. But he was mm. absolutely right. I was acting like an employee because I'd been an employee my, my entire life, right? I didn't start this business until I was into my fifties. And so like I spent, you know, and I've been working since I was 12 babysitting and working in the fields and on, on the dairy farms and things from where I grew up. So I started, so the whole mentality, that mind shift of going from employee to business owner is hard, but once you're there, it's so empowering. So for me, I, my biggest fear is having to get a job (laughs) because I love what I do so much. I love being able to have my own voice because as a marketing director and marketing executive in corporate America, you can't really have your own voice, especially, well, in the, at least in the industry, in the, the businesses that I worked with. And so you have to find those leaders who are going to accept the fact that every once in a while that they're going to disagree with you. And so what happens is that when I disagree with the business owner now, I explain why I disagree with them and the logic behind it. And then I always say, well, we can still do this because this is what I predict is going to happen. And then when it happens, that actually just builds the relationship better because they're like, okay, she actually does know what she's talking about because there are some business owners that are a little bit stubborn. Mm -hmm. And so I love being able to have Mm -hmm. my own voice and being able to kindly tell a client when I don't agree with them. It's not like I get in fights with them, but at the Mm -hmm. same time I go, okay, I see why you want to do this, but this is all the barriers I see in front of it. And then they'll go, oh, I didn't think about that. And then, it's, you know, so it's like great to have my own voice. And so I love being in business because I actually kind of came back to myself after being in corporate America for so long. Um, and just being able to like, I never planned on writing a book. I never planned on having my own podcast. Like, you know what I mean? It's like all of these things that are happening that I would have never been able to experience if I wasn't my own business owner. And so I love it. I love being a business owner so much. And I love the fact that, you know, I'm a solo entrepreneur um, and I get to choose my clients. I love it. Everything about it. It's fun. Nice. I never planned on meeting and marrying a beautiful (laughs) black woman. (laughs) (laughs) So one thing I like to say is, you know, you're there, I believe when you're like, oh man, I can't, I can't go mm-hmm. back to being an employee, right? You become in your mind, you become. Oh, I like that. Ooh, I might steal good, that. Right. Oh yeah. Take it. All right. Let's move on and start talking about, oh, it's easy. Chapter seven sales <laughs> marketing. piece of cake. It is because it goes back to mindset. 
like if you're sitting in front of a press prospect going, mm-hmm. I got to sell, 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 right? It's that whole aspect of you're trying to sell that mm-hmm. person instead of trying to inform them and learn if they're the client for you. So this is how I describe it. There's three ways to have a conversation with somebody. Um, there's a and two, two personas, like there's the child persona and then there's the adult persona. So if you come in saying, please buy, please buy, please buy, you put yourself in the child persona, like please buy from me. And the, then you put the, the prospect yeah. in that adult authority position and you lost. But if you come in there going, if you don't buy from me, you're an idiot because I am the cat's freaking meow and I am better than sliced bread. Then you put yourself in the adult position and you put the prospect in the child position and nobody wants to be in the child position. So the whole point of it is right. if you walk in saying, I'm going to make sure they're the right client for me and I'm going to make sure that I'm the right person for them. You have an adult to adult conversation. It's a mutually beneficial and your profit margins actually go up. Because you're treating each other like an adult and you're treating each other with respect. The other thing is that when I go into a prospect conversation, I'm not trying to sell them at all. I'm letting them know what I do and see if it resonates with them. And as an ex-salesperson, I know buying signals and I know I've, I know a lot about body language and things like that. So it's easy. But when they start asking buying questions like, you know, how much does it cost? How long does it take? When can we get started? Those are all buying questions. And then, you know, right. you can you can lead into the next sales conversation. But I never walk into a prospect thinking that they're going to become a client. I walk into every prospect meeting thinking, let's see if this is the person I want to work with. And if I have the solutions for them. Because some of the best referrals that I've gotten are from people that never had me as a client, but I referred them to somebody else because they're, they had a very specific problem that I don't have a niche in. Like, okay, I understand what you're looking for. Why don't you talk to this person over here? Because I think they are they would be better fit for your the solution you're looking for. And that that person sent me one of my best clients I've ever had. Because I was honest and I, I knew my limitations or my the opportunities that they could have had someplace else. So selling is not about it's not about selling. If you walk into, if it's more of a discovery mm-hmm. session, call it instead of a sales call, call it a discovery session or call it an information session, then you mm-hmm. take the pressure of selling off and you just tell them how you can help and either they're going to go, that's what I want, or they're going to go, that doesn't sound like what yeah. I need. And it's not like you've, yeah. you, that they said no. They could have said no, but not now. Or they could have said, no, you're not for me. However, you still have informed them of what you do, and maybe they can think of somebody else. So I don't really look at it as selling. I look at it as discovery sessions or information sessions, and then if they become a client, cool. If they don't, then they weren't the client for me. More like an, an yeah. opportunity, an opportunity yeah. for a, a conversation. I mean, the thing is, is that we put <laughs> so much pressure and there's on selling is that it's, it's not sales, it's information. Because again, if you come in like with this desperate aspect, they, your revenue, your, your um, profit margin just went down because they're like, oh, I got this guy, right? Or I got this woman because she's obviously desperate for a sale. So let me see how I can talk her down to price. So, and as, yeah. as uh, Jesse Cole said, discounting is the tax you pay for being average. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But, yeah, I, I think it's if it's about mindset. It becomes easier when you change your mindset. And just like you said, it's it things yeah. become easier when you don't make it you make it just part of your persona instead of like a task to be done. Which is why in chapter six I talk about everything as marketing. If you stop thinking like you have to do your marketing and think of like everything you do is marketing, marketing becomes a lot easier. I wonder too if that's why sometimes it's hard for those top sales professionals to really explain yeah. what they do because they're just being themselves maybe they're just being yeah. in their element and it's hard to explain sometimes explain that to somebody else who's looking at it more as, as learning their process but it's not natural and right, and the top salespeople flow. actually make the worst managers. Usually, they try to make the man management out of the top salespeople. It's like, why would you take your top salesperson out of the field? Get your like your average salesperson right. who understands the process. Technically, um, both in personality wise and in everything else, taking away that quota from them actually relieves them. They become less stressed, but they make usually make the best sales managers because just like you said. Some of the top salespeople can't explain how they sell because it's just part of their persona. Yeah. So yeah, you you totally hit the nail on the right. head with that one. Absolutely. Okay, let's move on to number eight. I love this. The power of giving in chapter eight. Tell us why it was so important that you included that so in your book. I I've talked to so many people who think that you have to build a referral fee like i'll refer you but you have to pay me a fee kind of a thing and i believe in karma i believe yeah. in if you give you will get back and so i think knowing that the power of giving is about uh, is about giving to people more than it is to asking for business or asking to be receiving that you will get more in the long run and so yeah. i wrote a chapter just on that because again it's about mindset it's about it's about not having that like always be closing mentality or always be selling mentality. It's if you're always giving, people are going to want to give back to you. And referral programs are I don't like referral programs like because it's like it's like a task. Like there's some networking groups that are like you have to give so many referrals inside the network. Well, what if I don't think that person inside the network is the best solution for this person? You know what I mean? And so it's mm -hmm. it's about giving. Do you feel like that's part of your branding? People are like, oh, yes. yeah, you got to talk to Absolutely. Lisa because you're going to find out and she may or may not be able to help you. And it's going to come from the heart. It's She's not going to try to get you in there and just get you on as a client Absolutely. no matter what. Right. It's like you said earlier, yeah. it has to be a good fit. That's 100 percent it. And that's when that's why people refer. You know, I get um, I mean, it's not like I get a lot of referrals, but the referrals I get are high quality because they know that they know mm -hmm. what I'm looking for. I've told them who my ideal client is. They know what I do. I niche down enough mm -hmm. into strategy that some people are just like, I, I'll do it myself. I just don't I just don't know what to do. Just tell me what to do and I'll go do my own marketing. So that's my job. My job is to help small businesses. This is what you need to do. These are the people you want to talk to when we figure all that out together. And then it's kind of like you cast them out and go, okay, no, you bless them to go on and do it on their own. And then, you know, I have a 30, 60, 90 day follow-up to make sure that one, they're doing it. 
but also um, that they don't have any questions. And obviously they have access to me to say, okay, I tried this. It didn't work. What did I do wrong? You know? So it's all about giving, giving, yeah. giving. Yeah. So to expand on that, tell everybody out here listening and watching who your <laughs> ideal client is. I actually said it. It was uh, small businesses under 50 employees that don't have a dedicated sales or marketing is one set of my, mm. my, my ideal clients. Mm. But I do have a service that I've only done a few times, but it's hard, but I, I, I like it. It's, um, it's, it's called Play Nice in the Sandbox. And so this is for people who have sales and marketing leaders who don't get along. And I come in and I teach them what they don't understand about each other. And we kind of, I call it a mediation in a way, marketing mediation. Um, but at the same time, it's like teaching organizations how to work together better because in some organizations, literally sales and marketing are always at each other. And it's like, you're both on the same road, going the same direction with the same goal. Why are you trying to like run each other off the road? It doesn't make any sense to me. So those would be my ideal clients. I think that ties into number nine, marketing is a team sport, right? So you create that culture yeah. and expand on that, what you do for your clients in terms of getting them or getting that, creating well, that awareness. Yeah, it's so funny because people don't think that marketing is like a department, right? Like the people who work on accounts receivable and accounts payable, maybe even the people who work in the back in the shop, in the manufacturing area or the shipping area. When you ask those people mm -hmm. about the marketing, um, I mean, I'm going to give you a story. So I had a client who manufactured large displays. And what happened was we came up with, so what I used to do, this is what you do when you learn how not to do business. What I did is I had two parts. I said, mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to give you a bunch of information in the beginning. And then if you like that, then we'll just keep going. Well, the problem is, is that I gave them such great ideas in the beginning and went to a retainer basis because what happened is he got so much business out of my suggestions is that he never came back for part two. So what happened was I said, oh. <laughs> why don't you go ask your plant manager what he thinks about your marketing? He's like, why would I ask him? And I go, he touches your product every single day. You don't think he has an idea or two about how we can get more business? Yeah, right. So I gave him that and another a client appreciation thing and he got so much business, he actually just never signed me up. But he went and talked to his team and said, okay, what do you guys think? How do you, how would you sell this product? Who do you, what, what industries are we not going to? Like I, I gave him a list of questions and they had such a great meeting that he said, they basically just wrote, ran with it and had a, and had banner sales that year. So it's, it's about making sure that you were talking to your team. The other thing is I had another client who, um, their customer service department found out about a new product line from a Facebook post. And it's like, wow, you didn't think to tell your customer service that maybe there's a product going out there that they could get calls on eventually that you they'd have to know about. <laughs> they found out you have this new product line because of a Facebook post. So it's it's about communication. It's about inc in inclusivity. It's about all of those things when it comes to your business is that just because you're the head of marketing or just because you're the, the head of the company doesn't mean that other people don't have an idea of what to do and how to do it when it comes to moving your business forward. Good point. Yeah. Okay. Any one more? Anything to add? Last chapter. <laughs> so yeah, we're winding down here, down to the last chapter. 
networking on so one of the things i want to lead with and i and i need people to fully understand this is that time is your only resource you can't gain more of you can always Mm -hmm. make more money you can always gain more energy you can always do a lot of things but you will never get back the time that you have so are you doing things intentionally what i do every quarter to every half of year is I just look at my calendar and go, where did I spend the time that was quality time? Where was kind of a waste of time? The other thing is, is that when you join something, let's say, I don't know, let's say it's a a local chamber and you're like, after you're like, ah, that was a waste of time, but you never went to any of the events or met any of the people or did any one-on-ones. Well, no, duh. Um, So like take the time to get to know an organization. I try an organization for an entire year before I decide if I want to rejoin or not. I've not rejoined many organizations because it just wasn't either. They weren't my people. They weren't my target audience. I have four places that I hang out and those are the only four places that I hang out. And so, but they're the ones who are my people. And when I say they're my people, networking is about three things. One, lead gen, because that's what the first people think everybody thinks of. But the second one is a sense of community. And then the third Mm, one is a sense of education, because I don't care what industry you're in. It's changing. And there's regulations or things that make a difference or technology that comes out. So I think networking for education is highly important to stay abreast of everything that's going on in your industry. So networking for education could also be, I do networking for education based on how to be a better business owner, mm. how to do a better job at speaking. I do networking to do a better job of how to market my own podcast, right? And so education is very important, yeah. but sense of community is also extremely important. So as a Christian business right. owner, I have a Christian networking event that I go to once a month because we all, we're not there to sell. We're all there to support each other as Christian business owners. And so it's like, you have to find your sense of community, your sense of people. And then of course, leads actually bleed out of all of those things because you're giving back, going back to it's better to give than it is to ask. So that's the whole point of that is that spend your time and your money wisely. You can always make more money, but you'll never get back that time. Yeah. It's all about intentionality. Right there. And there's only if there's one word that I want anybody to get out of the book, it's intentionality. Just be intentional with everything. Mm-hmm. Be intentional with your words. Be intentional yeah. with who you talk to. Be intentional where you hang out. Be intentional about your networking. Be, just be intentional about it. And then it will eventually lead into a great way of it marketing. It doesn't even feel like you're marketing anymore. It just feels like you're doing business. Yeah. Woo. Like that. <laughs> Where did that hour go? Holy mac. I know. That was really great stuff. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed this interview. Thanks. I love yeah. talking with you. You have such good, such <laughs> wisdom. Right. And it comes, comes from age. Feeling it today. <laughs> you mess up enough times and you got something good to say. Yeah. <laughs> Expertise. expertise. Well, and I think, (laughs) and again, it goes back to like, I've read a lot of business books, but the business books I like the most are the ones that, that are easy to to incorporate into your life. Yeah. And not every business book is going to, is going to resonate with you. And not every business book is going to 
say the things you wanted to say, but you got to take and leave the things from the book that you need. All right, as we wrap it up here, how can all of everybody out there in listener land get a hold of you if they want to consult or learn well, more about Well, the best you way is to go to rebelgirlmarketing.com and fill out a contact form. Or you can also reach me at lisa at rebelgirlmarketing.com. And that's R-E-B-E-L. I've had people say send stuff to rebel girl, instead of rebel with a V instead of a B. Um <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, you can reach me there then. And then obviously uh, Facebook and LinkedIn uh, profiles would also be a great way to reach me. Thank you. Not to worry everybody, because we will be posting all of your links and whatnots in, in the the chat or the the show notes in the show notes. Well, thank you. You guys are great. Great questions. Hard questions, which is, I like those. I like hard questions. That's our job though, right? That's, that's what we learned how to do and that's we love it because that's why we love doing this podcast because we can do some, it's a combination of things, right? There's some improv in there. I like to be improv, but I also like to be prepared. And in your case, we're going through a book here and thinking about, holy cow, how are we going to get all this in? Because there's a ton, right? Could have talked about a ton more, I'm sure. So. And with that, we're going to leave it there. Any parting thoughts, anybody? And as always, thank you in advance. Now, go find your rebel mindset. Just thinking and growing and learning and knowing and thinking and growing and learning and knowing. Yeah. Just thinking and growing and learning and knowing and thinking and growing. And learning and knowing, yeah, yeah, with thinking and growing and learning and knowing and thinking and growing and learning and knowing, yeah, with thinking and growing and learning and knowing and thinking and growing and learning. And knowing, yeah, I was thinking and growing and learning and knowing and thinking and growing.